Today we are going to start our episode with a story of a woman named Priya. As a mom who had recently just left the workforce, Priya was feeling kind of alone, unfulfilled. She was lacking the community that she had when she was in the workplace. And it was in the depths of that feeling when she was really looking for something to validate her self-worth that she was contacted by an old college friend with an amazing business opportunity selling skincare products. It seemed lucrative, community-based, and incredibly flexible. All she would have to do is invest in some initial product, and she could be her own boss. What ended up happening, though, was that Priya found herself under piles of crippling debt. She had borrowed money from friends and family. She had depleted her savings account, and it took her years to rebuild everything that she lost during this period. Priya is not alone. Priya is just the story of millions of Americans that join an MLM each year, a type of company where 99% of people are estimated to lose money. Let's get started. Today we're going to be talking about companies that call themselves affiliate marketing, network marketing, or multi-level marketing companies. For the rest of this episode, I will be calling them MLMs. These are predatory and borderline illegal companies that trap millions of North Americans every year. Today, we are going to be talking about what these companies are, what the gray zone is, and what you can look out for so you can make sure that you're protecting yourself and the people around you. But before we do that, you're probably wondering, why is this in a Desi podcast? Is this really a brown issue? Well, one in 13 Americans will join an MLM at some point in their life. I know people that have joined MLMs. I've been asked to join an MLM. In fact, I even stopped someone from joining an MLM last year. But the thing that really inspired me to make this episode was a very popular Desi influencer that I follow. I follow her for her mom content, and I really love all of the products she recommends for the kiddos. But it was when I saw her side hustle that I was like, I really need to do something about this. Of course, it was an MLM. I feel like people who are entering any new stage of life, and parents especially, are often at a point of their life where they're looking for a side hustle, a way that they can spend more time with their family and spend more time with their kids, something to kind of feel their own self-worth without having to need to go to the office every day. And I think this impacts Desi families just as it impacts any other families, which is why I think it's important to include in this podcast. At the end of this episode, we will be touching on a new phenomenon called master resale rights. So if this is something you've heard about and you're interested in, definitely keep listening until the very end. Now, before we get into what an MLM is, we need to really talk about what a pyramid scheme is, because an MLM is kind of based on a similar structure. A pyramid scheme is a fraudulent business or investment scheme that's actually illegal in most countries. You might have heard of really famous pyramid schemes started by people like Bernie Madoff. These are things that have caused millions of people to lose millions and millions of dollars. But how do these work exactly? I'm going to try to simplify it as much as possible by putting myself at the top of this pyramid scheme, just so you can get a sense of how it works. Now, say I was at the top of a pyramid scheme and I had a fake investment product. There was no investment product at all, but I had garnered trust of people who loved me and people who cared about me and people who supported my business. So I convinced two people to invest money into this fake investment. Now, I started with $0 and zero investment. If each of these people invested $10 into that investment, I now have $20. And here's what I would do. I would go to those two people and say, hey, you should tell your friends and family about this investment because 
I'm amazing and this investment is amazing. And for every person that you bring on, I will give you a cut. And here's the thing. I would be probably promising these people an amazing return on their investments. And those two people would then recruit two more people each. Now we have four people under them who would also give $10 each, of which I would keep getting a cut. And similarly, those people would recruit more people and those people would recruit more people. And now you have yourself a pyramid of people who have all invested into this fake product. It's a fake investment. And here's the thing. Initially, this could kind of work because if one of the people who trusted me said, hey, I need to pull some money out, I could give them the money because now I have collected so much money. I'm basically using the money from other people to pay people back. I could also employ things like technology or other resources to fake to people how well their investments are doing, right? They could go on a fake website and type in their name. They could say, look, I gave $10 and it's already become $20. These pyramid schemes are known to have unreasonably high returns, but where they fail is at the very end, if everyone needs to get their money out, well, that money doesn't exist because the investment doesn't exist. And that's why this business scheme is actually so illegal. It's basically one person or a group of people making money off of the backs of a lot of people. And if you look at these schemes like the Bernie Madoff scheme, people invested their entire life savings, their inheritance, their children's inheritance into Bernie Madoff's investments, and they lost it all. But the people who made money on top, they continue to make money and will continue to make money. So MLMs are basically pyramid schemes, but they found a little bit of a gray zone where they can operate legally. The thing that's really illegal about pyramid schemes is the fact that there is no product, there is no investment. So you're kind of fooling the public into investing to something that doesn't exist. So the way that the MLM circumvented this is they created a tangible product. So I'm going to give you an example where I'm at the top of this MLM again. Now, instead of me having a fake investment, I would basically be selling a product. Say it's shampoo. Now, how this would work is there would be two ways that I could make money through the scheme. I could either sell the shampoo myself or I could recruit people to help me sell the shampoo. So I would get to keep the profits of the shampoo sales that I'm making, but I would also get to keep a cut of the shampoo sales that they were making. So far, you might be thinking, this doesn't seem that predatory. It does seem like a legitimate business because you get a cut of your sales, you get a cut of their sales. What's the issue? Well, here's where things can get messy. First of all, it's the way that I sell this to my recruits. I'm not saying you're a part of my sales and marketing team and you're going to help me sell my inventory. I'm actually selling it to them saying, you're going to be a boss babe. You are going to run your own business. You get to buy your own inventory. You buy your own inventory and then you sell your own inventory and you get to manage this as a business. But here's the thing. It's not a business. They don't own the pricing. They don't own the product. They don't own the manufacturing. It's not their business. They're literally just salespeople with an additional negative hit of having a buy-in cost. So here's the thing. The, the people that I recruit have to invest in their business by purchasing some startup product. And these people are not just buying initial product. There's usually a structure built into these companies where people have to keep purchasing new product. So with the example of shampoo, I would be telling my recruits, you should be purchasing new shampoo every single month. You should try to have X amount of inventory. Oh, we're doing a big launch of a curly hair shampoo in September. So make sure that you're, you know investing at least $200 into building inventory for curly hair shampoo. And here's the thing. 
every time my recruits buy inventory, every time they buy in, every time they sign up to sell shampoo with me, I am making a commission on all of the product that I'm selling. So the very, very sketchy thing is that I'm probably making more commission off of the people who are buying inventory than people who are actually buying shampoo. Because the thing is, to find a person to buy shampoo on a periodic basis, well, a bottle will probably last a couple of months, and then when they replenish it, maybe there's a sale at shoppers. It's really hard to keep and retain these customers, and you're not getting like bulk repeat orders. So the way that I'm going to make the most amount of money is to recruit people. Now, similarly, the way that my two recruits are going to make the most amount of money is not actually to organically go and sell shampoo. It's to go and find more recruits to buy into these products on a monthly basis, to buy a startup kit, because now they're making a much bigger piece of the pie than somebody who's buying one bottle of shampoo every six months. The cost of acquisition for finding a recruit is actually much lower than the cost of acquisition of finding an actual client. At the top of this pyramid, and for the people below me, I can actually make a lot of money, technically, without selling a single bottle of shampoo. So basically, what's the sketchy part about these MLMs is the shampoo is just a stand-in, and really what you're making money off of is the recruits, which is exactly how pyramid schemes are structured, because now you have me at the top, I've recruited two people because that's why I make the most money. They've recruited two people each because that's how they make the most money. And now we start selling this idea of community, of family, of structure. And similar to pyramid schemes, there's a lot of money that could be lost. At the top of the pyramid, it's most likely that I'm going to be making money. Even for a couple of people on top, they might be making some money. But as you get lower and lower down this pyramid chain, more and more of the cut of products is going to the uplines, as they call them, to the people who have recruited you and the people who have recruited them. And if your strategy is to actually sell product, which is almost how these are marketed, you're not going to make your money back because that's not how this company profit structure is made. Another way that these companies are so terrible is that they sell this idea of community. They basically make you believe that people who don't invest in your business don't care about you. It's almost culty. Every single relationship you have ends up becoming transactional because you're desperate to make back the amount you've spent on inventory and product. It's such a scary and toxic downward spiral, and it targets the most vulnerable people in society. These are people who are now trapped by this model. They're trapped financially, and it's actually sad because... It's, it's like a sunken cost fallacy where you've already put so much time and effort and money into it. You might as well just work one more month and get it back or two more months and get it back. But at some point, you've got to cut the ties and that becomes really, really hard to do. It's really hard to get out of it. Similar to kind of toxic relationships is that you start to alienate people who actually care about you, people who call you out on your business strategy, people who say, this is not a business. What are you doing? You are so invested and you feel so taken in by this community. And especially if you were already in a vulnerable place to start with, you might feel like the whole world is against you. And you might be actually cutting out people who actually care about you for people that are a part of this very toxic business structure. I have read stories and testimonials of people who have depleted their children's college fund. They've had to sell their home in order to make back the amount of money they lost in one of these pyramid schemes. And I think the worst part, as if all of this wasn't bad enough, is because the product is actually not important in how the people on top make the money, 
I don't think there's that much research or thought or care that actually goes into the creation of these products at all. And in order to make back the money, people have resorted to some really, really low tactics in order to sell product. In fact, they're so ingrained in this, in this cult-like business, and they're probably not even doing their own research. They probably believe what they're saying. But as a result of that, people have made medical claims for children in order to sell the products they're selling. We've seen this a lot in the essential oils market, where people claim that essential oils can cure a lot of diseases. This is an extremely terrible thing to do. Like You could be actually sued if somebody follows your advice and something happens. But people get so deeply invested, and they're so desperate to sell that they're willing to go to any lengths. There are a small percentage of people who do make money in these schemes. They're given a high rank and they have a high amount of people underneath them. These are also the loudest voices. These are the ones at the conferences. They're the ones on social media. They are selling this dream because in some ways they are living it. But let's look at some stats. The FTC in the States noted that the majority of people who join an MLM lose money. But that does vary between MLMs. So to quantify it, I've decided to look at one of the largest MLMs out there, Young Living. 94% of people at Young Living rank as a distributor, and they make an average of $1 a month. It is important to note that this income is what they make minus the product they buy, but it does not include any ancillary expenses like the time they spend on social media, the time and money it costs to organize parties, like you might have heard of Tupperware parties of the 90s, but all of these parties and events that they're organizing to sell product and recruit more sellers, this is time and money, and none of these things are considered in this income. This income is also pre-tax. Only those who ranked silver or higher at Young Living, which covers less than 1% of all members, make an average of $2,000 a month. If a large corporation, if any other large corporation operated on statistics like this, they would be canceled. It would be so illegal. Like, could you imagine jo joining a sales team at a large multinational company and being told that, well, first you have to buy the product you're selling and then you're going to make $1 on average? Like that just wouldn't exist. But these types of companies work under this absolute gray area and the sketchy business model. And somehow, and this baffles me, they still exist. They are not illegal because they have played this game so incredibly well. Now, to make matters even worse, some of these companies actually have been under a lot of legal trouble. Monate, or Monette, not sure exactly how to say it, this is a hair care company. They have been slapped with multiple lawsuits for hair loss. Monet sellers are encouraged to boast about the benefits of these products. And if you were the type to trust the influencers versus actually doing independent research, you would never know how these chemically rich products could harm you. And this is what I was saying earlier, right? Because these business structures are not really about the product, who cares about the product? As long as the people who are selling them are desperate enough to make back their own money, that they will say what they need to say about the product, that's all that really matters. Now, a few of the most popular MLMs that you should look out for are Amway, Herbalife, Avon, Mary Kay, Young Living, Monat, Monet, Tupperware, and Scentsy. And here's the thing. It is so easy for people to fall into this trap. So I've come up with a list of things you can look out for based on my research. First of all, trust your gut. 
If it seems fishy, it might be, and you probably just shouldn't get involved in it. You can also watch out for certain language that's very commonly used amongst these recruiters. Things like boss babe, girl boss, be your own boss, run a business while you sleep. This is language that they use to capture these vulnerable segments of population. And if you hear that language, you should have your antennas up. If someone whom you haven't talked to in a while or someone whom you haven't had a conversation with about your future or haven't worked with suddenly reaches out to you with an amazing opportunity, think it through. I've worked in a professional setting for over a decade and I will tell you if I'm recommending somebody for a position or passing a resume on to somebody saying like this is going to be a really great fit for our job or our company, then you know that I am going to stand behind that person's quality of work. I've probably experienced working with them in the past. I've seen what they can produce. I would not be going to somebody whom I haven't talked to since high school saying, hey, there's an opening on my team and it's going to be an amazing opportunity for you to run your own team. Like it just doesn't work that way. And if someone is doing that, you have to believe that it's a little bit predatory. So also you should keep an eye out for messages that look kind of generalized. There's almost like a language that's used amongst MLM recruiters. And here is an example of a message or generalized message that you may be getting. It's not meant for you. They're probably sending it to a lot of people. It might sound something like, hey girl, haven't seen you in a while. Have you tried essential oils or insert product here? I feel like it's totally your vibe. Like this is the kind of language they're using. They're using a lot of emojis. They're using vibe. They want you to feel like you're their friend and you're a part of their inner circle. And that's exactly the language they're using, but they're using it with everyone. So it's just something to keep an eye out for. And the most subtle of all, and the thing to really keep an eye out for is influencers. You know who I'm talking about. The ones with the medium to large following, the ones who have already recommended your favorite pair of jeans, your baby's favorite toy. These are people who you've kind of come to trust, kind of come to respect, if these influencers sneak in an MLM product or sneak in an MLM or say, the reason that I have the life that I have is because of these business opportunities, you might be inclined to trust them because you got those genes and they were so good. So why would this person lie to you? But it's definitely a way that people can get lured into one of these businesses when it's coming from somebody that they trust and somebody that they admire. And finally, do your own research on anything you buy into really, even the stuff from the influencer you trust the most, even if it's your best friend. If you want to invest into something, if you want to buy something, and especially if you're doing something that's going to create a lifestyle change or a career change, do your research, understand the product, understand what you're getting into. You owe it to yourself so that you can make the right choices for your future and the future of your family. Now that we know about MLMs, what to look out for, the language to keep an eye out for, and you probably feel a little bit more protected, I wanted to dig into something that I've been seeing a lot of recently on social media called a master resell rights. So let's talk about this. Now, to be clear, this master resell rights is not at all a traditional MLM, nor does it have any of these same predatory type characteristics. So I'm going to use myself as an as an example, again, to kind of explain what master resale rights are. Say I create a course, something that's really good, but I have a relatively small audience. Traditionally, I would market heavily, sell a few copies of the course. I would have to constantly update it. And maybe, just maybe, I could make a little bit of money out of it. I could also license it to something like Skillshare, maybe make a little bit of a royalty. But with master resale rights, the course that I make, if I sell it to you, 
you now own the rights of the course and you can sell it to somebody else for the full price. You can make the full amount you've spent back. And by doing that, you can actually make back the money you spent on the course. The big difference compared to MLMs is that if I sell the course to you and you sell the course to somebody else, I'm not making a cut on the courses that you sell, which is kind of what keeps it from that pyramid scheme MLM status. But because of the way this is structured, it does still kind of form a pyramid because if I sell it to you, you can make back the money by selling it to somebody else and they can make back the money by selling it to somebody else. So now this course that I have sold, say it's a $500 course. If I sold it to you for 500 and you sold it to two people for 500 and they sold it to two people for 500, now there's been thousands of dollars invested into this course that only cost $500 and this money is floating around. But is it really predatory? My karam masala take is that yes, yes it is. And I haven't actually heard this take anywhere else. So I am really interested in hearing if you have other perspectives. But let me break down why I think that this is not a good business model. First of all, similar to MLMs, the value proposition becomes more about reselling the course than the course itself. As a course owner, I'm probably making a lot more money than if I just marketed the course on his own. Like say I made a course on painting. Why would people spend a large amount of money to a relatively small artist when there are so many better or cheaper alternatives? With this model, I continue to target vulnerable people or social media influencers looking to make a side income. I tell them that if they spend the $500 on my course, they can make thousands back. And similar to MLMs, the actual quality, validity, etc. of the course kind of becomes irrelevant, just like how the shampoo or the quality of the product becomes irrelevant. I have seen this pop up on social media. And while these influencers, they're like on rooftops saying these courses are the best, they're going to teach you about social media or whatever, they talk equally, if not more, about the master resale rights in the course itself. In fact, one of the incidences I saw was the influencer was sharing the amazing benefits of this course. I kind of had this weird gut reaction about this whole concept doesn't seem correct, the master resales right concept. When I kind of rechecked on that influencer's page a couple of days later, they shared a story where they said, oh, they took a couple of new modules of the course. So this means that they are boasting the benefits of the course and selling a course that they haven't even completed yet because they don't need to complete it. Their audience was big enough that they would probably get 10 people to buy into the course. At $500 each, they just made $5,000 like that, right? And they hadn't even finished the course yet. All of this to me seems like an extremely predatory business model, even though it's technically not an MLM. Also, similar to MLMs, I also find that the people who are touting this master resale rights on their course, they're also creating that idea of community, a place where they can share industry secrets. And all of that to me feels a little bit inauthentic, but I can see how it could be so attractive. Like if there's an influencer with hundreds of thousands of followers that you have been supporting and you've bought their products and you love them, and now for the low cost of $500 to buy this course, they're going to add you into a WhatsApp group with them and talk to you about their business. Like that could be really exciting. Some people will pay $500 just to meet some of these people. So it's a very, I think, sketchy way for influencers to continue to make money because most of the people that buy these courses, they're not going to have the audience to resell them. So they're just going to lose money. 
Again, unlike an MLM, they're not losing their life savings. They don't have to reinvest in the course every month. They don't run their own business. Like there's none of these claims that go along with it, but I still don't think it's the greatest business model. But here's the thing, right? Like from a strategy perspective, and I'm not saying it's authentic or it's real or it's right, but both MLMs and master resale rights, it's a smart business model where they've been able to circumvent these rules and they've been able to capture an audience and the master resale rights, especially because it's not even a pyramid scheme. So why would this be inauthentic? People can actually make money. There's no downlines. People aren't going to lose money, but it's still not an authentic and good business scheme. Now, I've said this word a few times, but my take is that this is very predatory. And here's the thing. I have nothing, nothing but sympathy and empathy for the vulnerable woman, Priya, at the beginning of the story. People who have lost their money, their time, their friends, their resources to these companies. Just like cults, people don't join them overnight. People are lured into them slowly and then they feel stuck. It's a sucky situation to be roped into. But here's the thing. I'm not too sure about these larger influencers. They get the financial benefits by default because they have an audience of people who trust them. They also get to sprinkle their shampoo or their essential oils or their Avon or whatever they're selling amongst other stuff they influence that they probably believe in even more, like their favorite Amazon products or their affiliate links or their most comfortable fashion finds. They position it in a way that their following doesn't really feel pressurized in the traditional MLM sense, but their audience has already bought into the lifestyle that they're selling. And I know I might get a little bit of backlash for this, but my take truly is that these influencers are taking advantage of their audience. They're taking advantage of the people who trust them. And I just don't really like that. So the reason I wanted to do this episode is with everything going on in the world, with the vulnerable position that people and especially women are placed into all the time, and with influencers in the market who are kind of predatory, if I can save one person from this fate, just one person, I feel like this podcast episode would be a success. The thing is that these companies are almost too big to break right now. They have finances, legal resources. They have everything in place to make sure that they are not going to be shut down. And they operate so expertly within this gray zone of the law that they are not going to be called a pyramid scheme. They will continue to exist. And unfortunately, you can sign the petitions on change.org. You can join the campaign. You can reach out to your legislator and you should do all of those things. But I really think that MLMs are here to stay and the more awareness that we create, the more we talk about it, the more we share our failure stories, the more that we can prevent this from happening to ourselves and to the people that we care about. One in 13 Americans will join this at some point in their life. This is a really, really big number. So all of you have probably been impacted in some way or other, even if you haven't recognized it yet. And that is it for today's episode about MLMs. It was a very different kind of deep dive. So let me know what you think about this episode in the comments. You can reach out to me or find me everywhere at Masala Takes. And we will see you next week for another episode. Bye.